Welcome to the We Shape Podcast, everyone. I'm Katie. I'm here with just Tyler today. Just Tyler today. Why is that, Tyler? Mm, why do you think, Katie? I'm not sure. <gasps> Nina had her baby. Oh, I was so excited yesterday. We got to go visit the little baby. I and know. It was we so were her cute. first so official tiny. visitors. I um, We were expecting her to be here all week. Yeah. And she went into labor early. So I'll let her, you know, her story is hers to share later on. But uh, we really are so happy for her. And mama and baby are healthy and doing very well. And they're actually settled at home now. So we will miss Nina for the next few um, episodes. Uh, but we did a lot of these pre-recorded yeah. because we knew she was going out on uh, maternity leave. So we won't, we didn't want to miss her too many episodes. So just the next few will be just us. But... I want to get right in because we have, I have like a lot of questions for our oh, guest yeah, today. I, tell. Yeah. I um, was already on her podcast um, like a month or two ago and I've been really excited to, to connect with her and bring her into the We Shape podcast because her content is really, truly amazing. Um, so why don't we start since Nina normally reads the bio you have agreed to because your eyesight is better than mine and I don't have my glasses. So <laughs> if see. you I mean, could Nina's go an ahead. excellent person for bio, so I'm going to give it my best shot. And the other thing I just wanted to say is I love the fact that, you know, I don't, I don't have to handle too much on the podcast side of things. I kind of come in and I'm a little bit more of somebody who likes to shoot from the hip. So it's kind of fun to sit down and listen to a bio or what somebody's all about. And I was really excited about this one. So, uh, let me dive in. So Leanne is a certified Zyto specialist, and this is a program that teaches professionals how to to use Zyto technology, which asks your body questions and records the responses in the form of impulses it receives. She's also uh, an Evox practitioner, and Evox is a biofeedback therapy that uses innovative voice mapping technology to identify congested emotional areas at the subconscious level and effectively clears them by feeding back the missing frequencies detected in a person's voice. She has additional education in somatic experiencing, flower essences, emotional freedom technique, and the neurobiology of trauma. She works with clients to help identify emotional and subconscious blocks, keeping them stuck in limiting patterns like chronic anxiety, health hypervigilance, self-sabotage, grief, and more. Through identifying and releasing these barriers, she helps clients step into more joy, peace, and alignment in all areas of their lives. Her outreach also extends to her podcast, The Accrescent, where she hosts experts, shares clients, case studies, as well as her own healing journey in weekly episodes. But you wow, so nice to meet you. Welcome, Leanne, to the podcast. Thank you, guys. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. I'm going to dive right in. Because I just have, I've got to go ask some it. questions. So <laughs> first of all, that was an extensive bio that um, I'm going to need to better go through with a fine tooth comb to understand some of the work that you do. So I, I'd love for you to maybe start by sharing um, some of the work that you do, because I want to better understand like kind of like the, the practical application, like when the rubber meets the road, like what is it that you're doing with clients? I don't know mm -hmm. if that's the best place. So I can also ask you, I know you have a couple of questions that steer this, this, this discussion. So, but I'm really curious no. about, yeah, the work that you're doing. Yeah. We'll start with big picture. So okay. big picture, no matter who I'm working with, whether it's through the Evox therapy or through the neurotransformational life coaching, which is a new service I just launched. There's really, we're looking at where am I stuck in life? Where do I want to be? And what's keeping me from getting there? And so I kind of distinguish these for a lot of people into two categories, whether it's emotional patterns that we feel stuck in or behavioral patterns that we feel stuck in. Mm -hmm. So the emotional patterns, we touched on some of them in the bio there. Maybe it's chronic anxiety, maybe it's chronic fear, maybe it's chronic anger that they know they don't want to be experiencing, but they can't seem to shift out of it. Likewise, the behavioral patterns might be more things like I keep dating toxic people. I can't set boundaries with family members. I keep letting myself get taken advantage of. I don't care for my body well. I self-sabotage. The list goes on and on and on when it comes to the behavioral patterns. But I think the lens that I bring to this work is really looking at emotional wellness from the lens of the subconscious because we know that 80 to 95% of the decisions we make in a day are made by our subconscious brain. And that's so the repressed really emotions, powerful, oh, go ahead. That's a really powerful statistic. Yeah. So maybe I'll have you actually repeat that because I knew that that was an important part of the mind, but I didn't know it was that important. Mm -hmm. The subconscious mind is responsible for 80 to 95% of the decisions we make in a day. Wow. 
And if we want to zoom out even further here, the majority of our subconscious beliefs are created between the ages of zero to seven, zero to 14, if we're being generous. So if you think about that, your seven-year-old self is running 80 to 95% of your life. That's scary. <laughs> I'm frightened by that. Yeah, that's a big deal. If, if we haven't done any work around what did I pick up through those years? What was mm. modeled to me? What did I receive or not receive? How did my caretakers treat me? How did they treat each other? Mm. What beliefs was my little brain starting to create about myself, about the world around me? What to expect in relationships, in career, etc.? And I just think that's so profound. And because of how impactful it is, the fact that 80 to 95% is our subconscious, that for me is why, why would we not be working with the subconscious? Yeah. Right. Let's dive straight in to the root of this. Because I think the other piece that I always tag on to this is, I really do believe our subconscious brain is only ever trying to protect us. Mm -hmm. It's just oftentimes it's working on old programming. It's working on truths that maybe were real at one time, but aren't necessarily true anymore, or we need to expand that subconscious in a variety of different ways. Was so that clear? It was. Yeah. And so tell me about the technology piece that you use to do this. Sure. So Evox therapy, I'll expand on it a little bit more, is a combination of two different technologies. The first is something called voice mapping. And then the second is the biofeedback. So what we're doing in a session with clients using Evox is we know all day long, whenever we're talking, there are measurable tones in our voice that correlate to emotions. And so when a client comes in, we'll chat about where, where do you feel stuck? Where is something that you know you need to change or you know you want to shift out of, but you just can't seem to step out of that? Or you're yo-yoing a lot. Mm. You're able to kind of shift into the patterns, the behaviors, the beliefs that you want for a time, but then you're falling back into the old ways. For me, that's a clear sign that there's a conscious, subconscious disconnect. Mm. Something in the subconscious is pulling us back into those old patterns. Mm. And so once we identify what's really going to be the key topic for the day, we're sitting down with Evox and we're going through a number of different voice recordings to measure what emotions are imbalanced in relation to this topic we're discussing. And once we've identified those key emotions, we're outputting frequencies into the body that have been found to help support the balancing and the release of those emotions. So that's the nitty gritty of the technology. I think where I add a little bit of flair to it is as we're going through the rounds of the voice mapping and the biofeedback, I'm giving the client really poignant prompts and questions to help us figure out what is going on in the subconscious. What, what might I be stuck on? What repressed emotions do I need to release? What key memories are contributing to this pattern? Things like that. So let me ask, I mean, so you've worked with clients, obviously. So I'd like to know, like, tell me what, when someone has really gone through this, like, how long does this take? And tell me some of the, I hate the word results, but. Outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> tell me what outcomes you've seen from this methodology. Yeah, it really runs the gambit because I have, for example, maybe a lot of high performers coming in who are already functioning at a really peak level of performance, for lack of a better word, who just want to get to the next level. I have a lot of clients coming in who have maybe experienced more severe trauma, like sexual child abuse, abuse of different kinds, maybe a really severe accident that they were through. So what I love, though, about Evox so much is how quickly we can start seeing results because no one, like we want to start healing now. Mm -hmm. We don't want to wait months and months and years and years. And I would say nine out of 10 clients from the very first session, they're having epiphanies. They're walking away with a light bulb that's gone on in their brain, some big epiphany or connection, helping them understand, whoa, this is the root of what was going on here or a piece of the root of what was going on here. And sending them home hopefully with some really great tools to then go implement in the week between our next session. But to give a couple examples, Evox is actually amazing for fears and phobias as well. That's kind of a little niche area I use it in. So for example, I had a 75 year old client come in who had a severe car accident on a freeway or excuse me, on a bridge going over this water. And 
now she had a phobia of driving over bridges. Oh. Couldn't drive over bridges. It was just complete shutdown, panic attack. And within three sessions, she's driving over bridges again after having not driven over bridges for 20 plus years. Wow. So the phobias are great. And those ones can clear pretty quickly. I've had, you know, a couple younger kids, like a phobia of needles, another woman who had claustrophobia, couldn't fly on airplanes, same thing within three to five sessions, flying on airplanes, no trouble at all. So that's one kind of niche area. But the others, I'd say, for example, I had a 22-year-old girl who just graduated college and was stuck in a lot of self-sabotaging patterns Mm -hmm. where, same thing, it's like, I know I need to do this, she's an actress, and wasn't reaching out to the offer she was getting, wasn't responding on time. Things that from the outside looking in were like, well, you're just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's easy to start to feel like, I'm, I'm just lazy. Why am I doing this? I just can't be disciplined enough. But when we really got deep into her story and the roots of some of this, she was, we were able to piece together her in her childhood with her father. There was a lot of false promises, a lot of unfulfilled promises on his end. And so she just got so used to that fallout. And the key piece that we figured out for her was she realized not only was that a wound that she had received from him, but she was now inflicting that same wound on herself. Wow. Not following through. Does this type of uh, therapy have to be done in person or do you work with clients remotely? Where do we sign up? I do yeah, both. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the real question. <laughs> I do both. The only catch with the remote is because there's actual technology involved. Remote clients do need to purchase the hand cradle. And then there's a special app, which is free, that they need to download onto a Windows operating system computer. Mm. So that's it. The other thing that I just launched is that neurotransformational life coaching, which is very much the same process. We're doing all the same detective work around our patterns. It's just minus that little technology piece. But yes, Evox can definitely be done remotely. Because I feel like a lot of our... uh customers and clients and community members who come in, they feel stuck in in patterns. And, you know, I I like to think that we shape offers them a different path around self-acceptance and looking towards more internal um, inspiration versus external motivation. And I know that sometimes even with that method, sometimes that that approach and that methodology is successful other times i i notice people are still getting stuck and i also know things take time right like when we're on a journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance it's not going to happen overnight and evaluating why we do something but i really am fascinated with this approach and i'd like to go into some of the questions that i had because i feel like getting answers to these questions might also help us better understand this work and why this work can be really important but I, I feel like I need you to answer, uh, help me. I, I feel like I have a general understanding of this, but I have curiosity if there's any pieces that I'm missing in terms sure. of maybe you help us define and understand what is the subconscious mind? Sure, yes. Well, we have our conscious and our subconscious. Our subconscious, our conscious is really just responsible for logistical things. I'm picking up this cup. Mm. I'm turning on my computer. I'm going on a run. The subconscious is where our memories are stored. It's where our beliefs are stored. It's where generational trauma is stored. But the funny thing is, I'm not gonna get these numbers exactly right, but just from an empirical standpoint, our conscious brain is actually the dumbest part of our brain. I think it's responsible for processing, I don't know, 200,000 bits of information per second. Whereas the subconscious brain, I think is processing like a million plus bits of information per second. So that's kind of the broad overview of the subconscious brain. I think a piece of this that's really fascinating is we have something called subconscious bias, which is whatever the beliefs are in my subconscious, I'm actually only looking for information that's gonna confirm those beliefs. Mm. So for example, let's say that I had an abusive father growing up. And I keep finding myself attracting abusive partners. If the belief in my subconscious is partners are abusive, men are abusive, I'm really only going to be looking for information and people who fit that description. Like our brain will literally, 
Yeah, our brain will not even take in, like we could see, I'm using this as an example, but we could see a, a gentleman who we know isn't abusive. And it's like, my brain just doesn't even remember meeting that person. It's kind of wild. But again, why it's so important to start to identify what is going on in the subconscious. This is amazing. This is like uh, really highlighting how a lot of people talk about your beliefs and your intentions shape your perspective of your life and of your experience. And, you know, if you hold these beliefs subconsciously, then you're looking for that confirmation bias for the things that justify Mm -hmm. your experience. And then you get stuck in it. Right. And, you know, one of the things I've come to realize in my own journey of growth is we think we're free, right? We think we're making all this free will and free choice. And like you said, most of what we do is a conditioned pattern that we're unaware of. And I just, I love everything that you're talking about there. Um, I know, I know you're going to jump in and talk more about the subconscious as well, but I just, I have the curiosity. It sounds like what you're kind of doing with people is really helping them connect with these deeper subconscious beliefs and memories and things like that. I, I think that um, from my perspective, it sounds like you're trying to create awareness. Why am I stuck in these messes? Why am I repeating these patterns? Why am I not where I want to be? Um, I guess the question I have that kind of piggybacks on that is once somebody has an awareness of it, there's still a challenge to change it. And so how do mm-hmm. you approach that? It sounds like you have technological tools that help support that. You know, oftentimes I end up saying like repetition is the key and having <laughs> successful repetitions, but sometimes it can get exhausting to get thousands of successful repetitions to repattern the way that our neurology works. So we make a different choice. Yes. I love this. This is such a great question. What I will say is sometimes just the awareness around it is enough to already create change. Mm. Not always though. And this is why I do think the Evox is so poignant and so powerful. There really is something about that biofeedback. I think that is helping break those old neural pathways that have been looping and looping on the pattern, on the belief, on the hurt for a long, long time. But something I have seen just doing this for a few years now is whatever the belief is, it came from an experience that is oftentimes unresolved. Mm. So same thing, we might go back to, and I'll, I'll use an experience of mine. My father wasn't really super involved in my life. A belief I picked up from that was, if my own dad doesn't wanna know me, I must not be worth being known. Mm. No one else will be interested in knowing me if my own father doesn't wanna know me. And when I realized I had that belief, all of a sudden it was so clear to me how I had been my whole life yearning to attract more people who just resonated with me and knew me and understood me. And in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, I actually have been keeping people at an arm's distance. There are so many people in my life who actually are really aligned, but I couldn't see it. And even the ones I could see, I wasn't even letting in fully because I didn't believe they would know me. So I wasn't giving them a full chance, but part of the reparation in that is me going back to those memories. I don't necessarily call it inner child work, but oftentimes part of the process is we're going back and saying, what did my younger self need to say about that experience that at the time she didn't have the words to voice, or there wasn't a safe enough space for her to voice? What emotions let, let's let ourselves bring up and release the emotions that were experienced from those core memories that maybe at the time we couldn't. And then we've got to bring in the new story. And again, oftentimes this is conversations with our younger self. Maybe for me in this instance, it was letting that little six, seven, eight year old self know, Hey, you deserved better. Him not being able to show up for you is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of him he was living out his own trauma. It's safe to connect with people. It's safe to let people in, to know you deeper. And there is something about when we're doing that in the Evox, I think it really helps those beliefs sink in. It helps those neural pathways let go of the old and kind of attach onto the new. But then we also get more forward focused. We do a lot of those processes in the appointment, in the session. But then afterwards, there's almost always what I call an integration item where we're giving them something really specific of, okay, over the next week, how are we going to integrate this new belief in a really tangible way? You know, for me in that example, it might've been, okay, this next week, I'm going to call three of my friends who I maybe have been keeping at arm distance and see if I could have a much, much deeper conversation with them or something like that along those lines. 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm so happy you talk about the integration and the coaching people and giving somebody action steps to take and frequently take them just to keep things moving forward. Because just in my own journey, I've noticed, you know, as I've discovered some of the things that were traumatic to me as a, as a kid and that looped in these patterns in my mind, you discover them, you get in touch with those feelings, you release those feelings. And sometimes you get caught in hypervigilance where you're just like stuck in that feeling, right? And you can't release mm -hmm. enough of it. Um, and I think that taking a moment to do that inner healing work and then find something you can do repetitively to slowly break you out of that is so important. Otherwise you can probably go down a negative spiral on that as well. Even, even though you have a new awareness about why you might be doing the things that you're doing. Yeah. I think it's finding a balance as with anything, it's really finding a balance between we do need to dip our toe in the past sometimes because that's where so much of this has come from. But, and I've experienced this myself, sometimes we can get too, we're in the past too much and just processing and, and revealing and uncovering without the forward motion <laughs> to really take us where we want to go. And so that is a big, big, big part of this for sure. That's beautiful. Did you have another question? I, know you I mean, I see your question <laughs> my, right here, my so. questions are growing as we as we continue down, down this journey. <laughs> hey there, if you're enjoying the We Shape podcast and you've heard us talk about We Shape before, then you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, what is We Shape? Well, at We Shape, we create personalized at-home workouts for every single one of our members. These are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way. We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. All right. I think all of this can be incredible. I mean, this is so interesting and I'll probably be contacting you after this because I want to like experiment <laughs> myself. But I want to, I want to, you know, one of the questions, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the difference between soothing versus solving and, and even kind of taking that further in terms of why are both of these important? in the healing journey. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is something I could talk about all day long because it's so poignant. I came up with these two terms, first of all, because I think they just flow off the tongue so smoothly. But for me, I really delineate emotional work into those two categories. So there's emotional work that is soothing. Mm. Then there's emotional work that is solving. And I'll, I'll say more to each of these. What is soothing? What is a stress response? It just means that our nervous system, my subconscious has perceived a threat, real or not, it has perceived a threat and it has created a stress response within me. There's four main stress responses, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And so we use these soothing techniques to help restore a sense of calm, composure, safety, with just within the mind, body, and spirit. It's giving safety signals to us which is huge, but we can't stop there. We have to get into the solving piece because the solving piece is asking the question, what caused the dysregulation in the first place? Mm. What caused this inner turbulence? And I love to highlight this because what I see often, and I don't think it's ill-intentioned, I think it's very well-intentioned. There's so many amazing soothing techniques like breath work, like meditation, like ice baths, like, emotional freedom technique that really do help soothe a dysregulated nervous system. But if we are using those almost as a way to emotionally bypass, then my hunch is at some point, we're only going to need to soothe more and more and more because we never ask those questions. What's causing this dysregulation? And the two really go hand in hand. I love to, especially if I'm giving someone, we're starting to create an emotional wellness baseline for people to do at home. I love us to start with some soothing techniques. You know, let me do a three to five minute meditation. Let me do a five minute breath work to give my body all these safety signals. And then let me spend 10 minutes journaling. Let me spend 10 minutes sitting through these prompts that I maybe gave the client to take home with. 
And then maybe we end with another short dose of soothing after that. Because sometimes solving can be a little dysregulating when we're diving into these harder questions. But they go hand in hand. When we soothe and we restore calm and composure, a lot more is able to surface when we get into that solving piece. Do you think that people confuse soothing with solving? Mm. Yes. I think... Because of, and look, it's amazing because there's so much more uh, availability on YouTube. You could search for, there's hundreds of free meditation, this and that. But I do think that there's a vast majority of the population that wakes up and does their 20 minute meditation every day. And it's, you know, they're just clearing their mind or they do their breath work every morning. And that's amazing. Keep doing it. But if you do that, And then you find that I can't go a day without this, or I become a crazy person, or I need to, you know, now I need to do my breath work three times a day because I'm just so anxious. If it becomes a practice that we're dependent on, or, you know, five minutes after I just did that breath work, I'm like stressed and urgent and frantic again, we're not getting the root cause. Mm, We're not getting the root cause. And that's so important. But if the behaviors are still showing up in any way, Um, or you're needing to do additional soothing, it may be indicating that we need to move into more solving. And Mm -hmm. that is what you're talking about with the work with the, with the subconscious mind and breaking the patterns. It's, it's, it's it's stopping putting band-aids on over and over and over again and actually saying, wait, what's actually happening here and how can we address it? So it stops. That can be so confusing because especially, so I have, I have opinions and, and, uh, triggers sometimes around this idea of like all this like work and this growth and this because sometimes I feel like if we just say the right thing then we'll like almost trick ourselves into believing that the problem has been solved oh well I meditate all the time or I do this thing and I've gone to therapy and and it's like okay but like is like I, I have to face those questions in myself all the time right like well is the problem actually solved or you gave yourself another checklist of things that you did that made you believe the problem was solved and so you're tricking yourself into believing it is but it really isn't and it does totally. take some <laughs> self-awareness to be able to say "Ooh, the pattern's still showing up Ooh, the pattern's yeah. still there and what I hear you saying is if you're doing all that work that's incredible like I would never tell someone don't go to a therapist don't do meditation don't do breath work don't but if you're noticing that the pattern's still coming up, it's not, it, it's not a judgment. It's just to be aware that maybe there's something else that your subconscious mind is participating in that you might need additional support in. Yeah, and you're not lazy. You're not broken. Yeah. Your subconscious is trying to protect you. We just need to know what does it think it's protecting you from? What are the mechanisms it's using to protect you? Because oftentimes those are both very, very limiting. I think I just approach all of this with so much empathy because honestly, who of us actually growed up, you know, growed up, <laughs> who of us actually grew up with caretakers, parents, people modeling, you know, emotional wellness to us, people no modeling how to yeah. sit with our emotions, how to bring them up, how to speak about them, how to process them and release them. Almost no one. I mean, so, even people who did really have that will still have something. Yeah. Well, there will definitely be something for sure. Being a human being. No one's getting out of childhood unscathed, which to my parent, my clients who are parents, I'm telling them, you know, something, they're going to get something out of childhood. But what you're modeling for them is, hey, I'm working through my own stuff. So anything they pick up, just know that they can work through and, uh, and resolve as well. And I don't mean to like downplay the importance of your own everyone's own individual spiritual work. I'm not trying to do that. I just see sometimes when it doesn't serve people, if that makes sense, where it becomes more of like a mask versus, you know? Yeah. I've done it to myself. I've done it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. A bypass or a scapegoat. Yeah. And I've experienced both of these where a lot of us, I think, are working on beliefs around conditional love and earning our worth. And so when we wake up at 5 a.m. and do our meditation every morning, it gives us a real ego boost. And that's amazing. Take it, soak it up. You're doing something hard. But if we're just doing that to check the box and go, well, I do this every day, that's, again, if the patterns are still showing up, it's up to all of us to sit with and go, 
is there something deeper going on here? Because you could also am be I just using this as the bypassing? You could also be doing that and not getting the ego validation and like have genuine, mm-hmm. authentic totally. connection with your meditation practice. I think what we're saying is that it's really more about can you have self awareness to see where the patterns are showing up? And what I have noticed in myself, I'll just speak for myself, is that just because I think I have solved a pattern um, or a loop doesn't necessarily mean that I have because sometimes it just changes the packaging that it comes in, right? It's like, <laughs> I might have done it over here, but now it's here. And so... I'll just be real. Like, I had a box I would check about these things, <laughs> right? Like, like, like literally, yeah. like, check the box. Okay, there we go. And it wasn't until I look and go, ah, oh, crap, just another another methodology to ease the inner discomfort. And like a a perfect example of this was how we used to run a company that was more like diet based and, you know, get six pack abs and do all these things. And then we kind of, we dramatically transitioned the mission of our company to movement and everything that I've talked with you about before the listeners know. But when we made that transition, I went from previously being obsessed with healthy eating and quote unquote like making sure I was only eating certain foods or whatever to throw it all out and it was like but this this is the way because this is this is breaking down toxic weight loss culture so I'm doing it for for the good of and then it was like well that's just another thing you're obsessing about it's like the pattern's still there (laughs) even though it's coming out in a different way right and I think these are very complex things and this is the other thing and, and I'm sure you can probably attest to this. It's like everybody's journey is also so different. So this is really not something, in my opinion, that someone can necessarily even point out to you. It's something that has to come from within to say, oh, I used to have this pattern. And just because it looks like this now doesn't mean that that pattern's gone. Totally. And this is another thing I love to chat about because we talk about soothing and And I love the words limiting and expansive. There's soothers like meditation that can be expansive. But a lot of us developed limiting soothers. Maybe I soothe my system with food. Mm. Maybe I soothe with alcohol. Maybe I soothe with drugs. Maybe I soothe with sex. Who knows, right? But if we approach some of these things from a restrictive standpoint, like for me, it was overspending. I soothed by spending on high quality food and eating out a lot. And it gave me so much joy and it soothed the deep, deep grief I had from some early childhood trauma. If I had just like put a lock on my spending, here's the thing. The wound that I was soothing with that overspending is still bleeding. It's just gonna and come my, you else. better believe my subconscious is going to find another soother. And if I don't approach it from maybe the perspective we're talking about, chances are I'm just going to go find another limiting soother Yeah. Mm. that, 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 you know, will help a little bit. It'll ease a little bit, but it's not getting to the root of it. It's not clearing it out. And it might also have some limiting side effects on us. So fascinating. To yeah. Me. It feels like so many of us get trapped in our heads, right? About it. It's like, even if like, for example, I, I used to have this moment where I would talk to this therapist and I, I would say, I'm aware of why I am the way I am. Like, here's all the reasons why. And I had a pretty good sense from a intellectual level as to what those things shaped me. And then I worked with a different practitioner that absolutely unlocked some really deep memories and feelings. And I was like, oh, I was aware, but I wasn't healing it. It was like I was mm-hmm. too afraid to open that door of emotions and really process through that. And like, how do you how do you bridge that gap with people? Because there's so much fear there, even if you have like great self-awareness Oh, my parents were this way. So that made me this way. And this is the reason why I'm this way. But, you know, like somebody's talking about that and they're like talking about it kind of logistically. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like and you're looking at yeah. it going, yeah is there something else under here that might be needing to be talked about? It's like we stay up here and we need to drop into mm-hmm. the body and we need to release it in here so that we can actually move past it. Has that been your yeah. experience? Well, yes. And there's a couple of things I'll say to that. One, this is one of the things I love about Evox so much is that that biofeedback is so soothing. So a lot of people, I mean, you know, I, I always say like we cry a lot here because mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of heavy stuff comes up, but Every, almost every single client, when they leave, they're like, I feel so much lighter. I feel so at peace. I think that biofeedback allows them to sit with and process some of these heavier things still from a place of regulation. Mm-hmm. 
which is super, super key. And I, I do believe right. I'm not knocking. Yeah. And I'm not, not knocking talk therapy at all. I think it can be life saving. However, when we're just talking with our conscious brain and we're not having any kind of somatic soothing thing going on, we're talking about a triggering memory. The fight or flight signals start to go off in our amygdala and truly parts of our brain shut down. Like we're just not able to process the same way. Like our hearing shuts down, mm. you know, it, it, it doesn't t turn on as well. And so what I love about the Evox is it's so regulating and soothing. And I think that kind of helps calm the turbulence in our mind, body, and spirit that allows us to dive into these things a lot deeper. But I'll give you another kind of analogy that I like to use because I think what you said is so poignant. I, almost every time when a client comes in and they're telling me the patterns they're stuck in, I can already in my mind identify, here's probably three of the subconscious beliefs that are looping in your brain that are feeding these patterns. I could just tell them, I never do. Because we have to go through the process, and this is where there's a lot of nuance to it. Every single session is so unique. I never know what's going to come up. But I know that I can't just tell you the belief you're stuck on and then you change it. We're stuck on it for a reason. If there was an infringement in my life when I was six years old, let's look at it this way. When I'm there working with a client, I'm negotiating with their six-year-old self. So it's almost as if like I, if I had, let's say we were trying to ingrain a new belief that um, people are safe when I grew up with people who were really unsafe as a child. If I were to just look at a six-year-old and be like, okay, well, just believe it. People are safe. Come on, let's go. But that six-year-old is like, no, but hang on. I want to tell you how hurt I am. I want to be heard. I want to be seen. And then there's another piece of it that's also like, and I want to be protected. Mm. And I love to ask this question of, do I see me? Do I hear me? And do I protect me? But it's, I think sometimes that analogy makes a little bit more sense. Cause of course you could imagine if something happens to a six-year-old, they're not gonna, they're actually all in the somatic experience. They're not in the logical experience right. first. And so when we can almost allow that somatic feeling and release to happen, then I feel like the mind goes, okay, okay, you heard me. I know you're listening. Now I'm open to receiving this new information. Uh, it's the body first and the mind second. Yes, I think it's just so, so huge. But then it's also, it's also being able to go, and this is a big part of like the future modeling, because for maybe I grew up believing people aren't safe. I also never learned how to set boundaries and protect myself. So a part of it is where those beliefs come from? What were the experiences? What were the emotions? But, and then can we start to ingrain a new belief that maybe some people are safe? Maybe not all, but can I start to believe that some people are safe, mm -hmm. that I can trust myself to know the difference and that I can protect myself. But if no one ever taught me how to protect myself, then that's another piece of the work that we need to add in there. What does that actually look like? Right. And that's where it's more future focused of, Literally, let's let's model out a conversation with this person we're having issues with. Let's decide some ways that I'm not currently protecting myself that I need to pivot out of. So it's nuanced. It's, you know, there's a lot of different little roads we go in and I never know which road I need to go down first. It really depends on kind of what's coming up with that person. I, I love what you said in the middle there um, because it's something that I fail at constantly, <laughs> which is, <laughs> yeah, somebody needs to go through their experience. Like you can't tell them what they're going to experience. And um, I'll get a little vulnerable here and say that Katie and I have been together for a long time. And I, on my side, at least I'll admit uh, to many times saying, you're this way and I think it's because of X, Y, and Z and, you know, blah, 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 right? And so um, my question is, how do you support each other in partnership to continue this growth and healing without getting caught in that trap of, I see something that you're not seeing and this is the X, Y, Z, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, as much as possible, the more we understand, it's one thing to like you, to your point earlier, it's one thing to understand, oh, your parents were like this as a kid. That's why you're like this. Okay. This though is why I always come back to what were the beliefs? Yeah, my mom treated me this way. My dad treated me that way. Okay, that's why I'm this way. But why I continue to be this way is because of the belief from those experiences. And so as much as possible, if you guys can chat, you know, start to chat that out a little bit. Whatever the pattern might be, you know, let's go back and say, 
when I was experiencing this as a seven-year-old, what might my little brain have concluded from that experience? Mm. Maybe it's something like what we've touched on, people aren't safe, or the only way people will listen is if I scream at them, Mm. or I'm not good enough. I have to earn my worth. And so I'm stuck in patterns of over, you know, overburdening myself, overtaxing myself, not setting boundaries, et cetera. But I think the other piece I'll add there that I think can just be really practical is there's this idea of the nervous system. It's something called co-regulation, which is your nervous system can literally sense Katie's nervous system right now. And again, if we go back to just like the root, root primal idea of what is our nervous system, it's safety. If we detect a threat, our nervous system goes into dysregulation. But here's the thing. If you're sitting next to Tyler and he's, you know, a little frantic, a little jittery, and your nervous system is sensing that, it's your primal brain. And your primal brain is going, I am getting signals that there is danger. And it's going to be very hard for your nervous system to stay regulated. Because in a, you know, kind of in our more like ancestral world, if someone else's nervous system was getting dysregulated, it was for a real reason. So that's a little piece, something that you can think about too, is what are some of maybe those soothing practices I can do to restore regulation. But when we're in the moment of a heated discussion or something's triggering me, can I just pause and go, what is my mind, body, and spirit communicating to her right now? Is it communicating danger or is it communicating safety? Mm, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. I'm getting a vibe from Katie that she's tired. That's, that's the <laughs> nervous system message to me right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. Yeah, I didn't sleep great last night. You are right. But you also knew that about me this morning. <laughs> uh, no, but um, no, I appreciate what you're saying because... So, I'll, I mean, I'll just share that, yeah, Tyler and I have done a lot of work in relationship. Uh, you know, I think that relationships are very complicated, and I think we have added every, almost every layer possible between having a business <laughs> together, having a child who has extra <laughs> needs, right? Like we, I, I statistically... Getting married young when we were both just completely conditioned yeah. and had no awareness, you know? I mean, statistically, yeah. we're, we're a miracle at this point. And, <laughs> and what I want to say is that But more recently in the last year, I started realizing that if I didn't work on these parts and I wasn't regulated, it actually didn't really matter how much work I did with him. Mm. And so I really had started leaning a little bit more into this idea around what is the work that you need to do on yourself? Because when you show up as a healed whole person, then the work that you can do with him is so much more, uh, there's, there's many more fruits of that labor. And I think that, um, you know, it's just, it can be tricky to get on the same page because ultimately sometimes what I ask from Tyler is, oh, I need your patience because I'm working on this thing in self. And I think that's complicated because we don't really always live in a culture that holds space for just time and healing and work Mm -hmm. on self. We instantly think if there's disconnect in relationship then the relationship itself has to be worked on and sometimes that is true problem it needs fixing sometimes that's true but sometimes Mm -hmm. we actually need to retreat inward and work on self so that we can show up in that way and i know that i i think you know i think the easy way out is to go live in a cave independently um but i i you never get triggered when you're alone right but i i i have also realized throughout this journey that we're actually here to trigger those parts and then what we do with that triggered part is up to us right Mm -hmm. we can work on it together in relation and there will be seasons where that happens but there also is seasons where i want to give people permission to say it's okay to say this is a season where i I need to reevaluate some of my own healing and patterns because um, I think that that work can be so profound, like to be able to work on self and show up in partnership. And I also think that, like you said before, we don't want to take years and years and years. So I understand also like I, you know, making you wait around, Hey, Hey Tyler, I'm I'm just doing some work. If you can just put our relationship (laughs) on pause while I do some work. I mean, that is a really big ask too, but just to encourage people that the work that we do on ourselves, like I think also the thing that we want to do often when we fix, and this is the pattern that I see in us, but I also see in other people. If there is an issue between us in relationship to one another, we either want to say, oh, it's the other person that needs the work. (laughs) 
or second to that, we might get to the point where you say, well, let's work on it together. I don't know how frequently we go, what's going on inside of me that is contributing mm-hmm. to this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and I honestly think that is where some of the biggest success can come from is when we maybe start with that. What's going on inside of me that I'm participating in? The ego doesn't want to go there. The ego wants to, like you said, do its job and protect in the way it's going to protect to say, well, this is your pattern or maybe we'll do some work together and I'll convince the professional that it's your thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying this from my own. I'm just like outing myself here, right? Like this has been my philosophy and in the past and when I have worked on self, It's weird to think that when I address these parts of me, regardless of what's going on with us, I actually find more peace and serenity and grounding in that, which shows Mm -hmm. how powerful work on self can be. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I agree. I mean, there's so many things I could say there. The like root of what, what I was thinking as you were talking is number one, a question I would ask both of us is, what do I believe the best marriage could look like? Mm-hmm. let's both write that down yeah because if the best is this and the peak is way up here then maybe we also need to expand ourselves to go this could be so much better than we even were ever taught or modeled to believe mm-hmm. so where is the cap that we might be putting on this but to the point you're making yeah it's kind of like you know let's clean up our side of the street mm-hmm. <laughs> before we go pointing at someone else's you know trash or dirty yard or uncut lawn or something Absolutely. But what I love about this deeper subconscious work within ourselves, to your point, Katie, is let's say, you know, I'm just making something up. Sorry, Tyler. Let's say Tyler raises his voice at me. (laughs) You know, let's say Tyler raises his voice voice in arguments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's so helpful is when you understand the deep core, what is truly getting triggered? What is the alarm signal about in my subconscious? Then when you go to him to talk about it, you're not just going to him saying, hey, that upsets me. You're going to him and saying, hey, that upsets me because when I was a kid and my dad would yell at me, it was always followed by him beating me. Mm, And so when you yell, my subconscious is preparing for a beating. Yeah. We've, we've absolutely and that's what's going on. We've absolutely had those conversations where it was like bad rep, bad rep, bad rep, bad rep. Oh, wait, let me share like the real deeper reason why. And then it's like, oh there's the connection that you can make and the empathy that you can have. And that, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that opens up empathy and I know we'll, we have to wrap this up. I think that opens up empathy for you because you can, you can go, this isn't about yelling. This is about her brain literally feels mm-hmm. in danger yeah. physically. Like she could be in danger, but it's not just about, okay, now he needs to change that as a partner. Can I also ask why does your brain think yelling is necessary? Maybe as a kid, no one even paid attention to you right. unless you were screaming. So both and so again, it's just examine yeah. that deeper reasoning why they're showing up. That yeah, way. I think what I'm hearing you yeah. say is when we do this individual work, we create a greater sense of self awareness, and when we have a greater sense of self awareness, we're able to communicate more openly and vulnerably with people, which is one of the best ways to deeply connect with another person. And then as we do that, if that person's stuck in the way that they're reacting, they're kind of forced to look in the mirror. Because you're not showing up in an aggressive or an angry or a blamey way. You're That's what up I was saying. Is I was saying that, like, yeah. I'm not saying that when people, you know, when you when you're with someone for a long time and you have lots of stressors, like you're gonna go in seasons. Like the longevity, it's it's a marathon, not a race, right? And so <laughs> I really am a big believer in seasons of life, where you know the, there have been many seasons in my life where like you know, we shape is number one. And then there's other seasons where Tyler is number one. And then there's other seasons where my child who has extra needs is number one. And I have to recognize my limitations throughout those seasons. And so I'm not saying that I don't think people should work in relation to one another. What I'm Mm -hmm. saying is we underestimate the power of that work that we do for ourselves because that shift in that pattern will create a pattern shift in the relationship regardless of that person shows up or not. And so I just really want to emphasize that power of the, the work that you're doing and this type of work because if if I go down a path that makes me believe oh Tyler has to change in order for this to be successful but I do work like this and come out and with a new nervous system and new subconscious behaviors automatically I'm going to show up different in the relationship and now he has to relate differently to me while I get to remain grounded and have my own serenity intact right so mm-hmm. it's not to devalue the 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 i mean we've done a lot of work together so it's not to devalue the work together it's just to highlight the power of the work that can be done on self 
And then you're also not reliant for someone else to change in order for you to feel peace and grounding in your own in your own mind. Right. And that is where for me, almost all the time when I work with clients, oftentimes there are external relationships that are really triggering and upsetting, et cetera. But it almost always starts with me, myself, and I. Mm -hmm. What's my relationship to myself? Again, am I, do I fully see myself? Do I fully hear myself? Do I protect myself? Because unfortunately, more often than not, we are oftentimes inflicting the same wounds that we received as children on our now adult selves. Mm. And what happens is, is that there's no foundation for us to stand on. I want to go create a better relationship with this person over here. But my inner voice is like, okay, you don't even treat me good, man. <laughs> like, yeah. How can yeah. I expect anyone else to treat me good it, when you, you know, you don't care for me? Yeah. It's like, it's like sweeping everyone else's porch and, and never addressing your own. Right. You, you really do totally. have to start with that, that personal work. I, I'm a full believer in that one. I mean, one big thing I got away from this conversation, obviously was this whole subconscious running your mind thing, but more than anything, if we just zoom out, it's, if you find yourself stuck and you, you're not where you want to be and you can't seem to break that habit or you start to go forward and then you find yourself slipping backwards, like there's something there in that subconscious mm -hmm. mind that's keeping you stuck in that pattern and that you're not going to probably escape that pattern unless you address that piece. And, and that's a gift that you're giving the world. And I so appreciate you doing mm -hmm. that because it's so important. Yeah. I think just the, the message in all of it is you're not broken. Your mind mm -hmm. doesn't hate you. Your body doesn't hate you. It's not trying to sabotage you. It's trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. We just need, need to figure out what is it trying to protect you from and what are the tools it's currently using to protect you that maybe we can replace with some more expansive tools and resources. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Leanne. I know we're probably going to talk a lot about this after this episode. Absolutely. And, and I just want to let our listeners know where they can find you. So I know you have a podcast. What if they want to work with you directly? Is that possible? How, how can people find you? Yeah, I think the best place is there's the website, theacrescent.com, which you guys might need to spell out for them mm -hmm. if you'll link Put it in, in the, the show notes night. or something. Yeah. And then Instagram's a great place because I post a lot of educational content there. My personal Instagram is at Leanne Lindsay, and then the business is at theacrescent. Wonderful. Well, thank it's you amazing. again, Leanne. What a we'll pleasure. We'll be in touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can email her first after this. Um, well, thank you so much for the work that you do and for bringing light to this really important topic. And we will see everyone next week. Take thank care, you. everyone. Thank you so much. That was so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.